Good morning. Good mo- oh, now I'm on. Good morning. Sitting there singing the song, just about to get up, and Wyatt turned to me and said, Are you nervous? And Wyatt said, well, well, yes, I'm nervous. He goes, Really? And I said, Yeah, I'm, I'm always a little nervous. I said, But today I'm especially nervous. And he says, Why? And I said, Well, what I'm preaching about. And he said, Well, you're not going to like take off your clothes or anything, are you? I said, No, I'm not. He says, You're not going to put me in a freezer, are you? And I said, no, but what I want to talk about today is something that is, is really kind of difficult. You know, that's the, 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 the joy of, of getting to teach from a text. Uh, for instance, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about the blessedness. Uh, happier are you when you are persecuted. Happier the meek. Happier the, the peacemakers. Blessed are you. But then there were some other sections within that wonderful sermon from Jesus in which you're like, ooh, this is kind of a tough topic. Well, the last few weeks as we've gone through Acts, and we didn't use it necessarily as a blueprint, but we've tried to see, okay, what are some characteristics of that first church that, that grew out And what are some things we can learn from it? We talked about last week, we talked about boldness and the fact that we should should feel as though we're bulletproof because of what God has given us His Spirit. And, And the week before that, we talked about this idea that people shared everything that they had in common. And it's not just the fact that we're willing to give, but also the fact that we're willing to receive. But then we hit Acts chapter 5. And this is one of those passages that I... I almost wish wasn't in there because it kind of comes in conflict with my understanding of who God is based on what He does in Acts chapter 5. It really kind of bothers me. Now, growing up, I grew up in a church where Acts 5 was preached pretty regularly. I mean, it was something that I heard pretty often, and if you grew up in a similar church, uh, faith background, you probably would have heard this. And over the last few years, we've kind of swung away from Acts chapter 5. And so this may make a few of you nervous. You may have some flashbacks thinking back to, to yelling, screaming uh, preachers who are pounding the pulpit. And I, I don't think that's the message I want to convey, but there's something really important we can catch, we can glean from Acts chapter 5. So, I don't want you to take my word for it. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, open them up or turn them on and scroll through. And let's get to Acts chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 1. And we're going to read all the way through 11. And we'll be reminded of two individuals that, well, let's just say there's not a whole lot of people who have named their children after these two individuals. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for that land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. 
And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, and not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. What in the world is going on in Acts chapter 5? I mean, we've looked at Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church, uh, Pentecost, there were the, 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 the tongues of fire, the, the speaking in tongues, people were amazed. There were about 3,000 added to that number. It later went up to about 5,000. They were sharing everything in common. And all of a sudden we hit Acts chapter 5 and boom, like everything seems to change. I don't know if I want to pound on this or not, but this is a really difficult passage. And I think there's one of many things that we could glean from it. We could talk about integrity. We can talk about sin, we can talk about lying, we can talk about giving, we can talk about all many number of subjects, but I think there's one thing that I really want us to get out of this. God hates sin. Sin is a big, big, big deal. I think that's what Acts chapter 5 is really getting at. Sin is a big deal, people. It keeps you from God. Now, this is something I heard a lot growing up. This is what I heard more than anything else. I was afraid. I was afraid of God. I was not, I had no comprehension of grace and mercy and forgiveness. All I knew was God was in heaven and He was ready to thump the next person who would do something like Ananias and Sapphira. But I want to go back and I want to look at this story a little bit more. And I want to dig out some details and see what's really going on here. First off, we need to understand this is not about giving and it's not about the amount. Okay? Neither one of those are really important at all to this story. In no way does Peter say, you're in trouble because you gave less than what you should have given. In fact, he says quite to the contrary. He actually says, don't you know that land was yours? No one made you sell it. You chose to sell it. And by the way, after you sold it, that was your money. No one told you what you had to do with that money. You chose to give it. No one told you how much to give. Here's the issue. You showed up. And you tried to make a mockery of God. And you tried to turn the attention onto yourself. I wonder what was going on a few days before in the household of Ananias and Sapphira. We don't know exactly what prepared 
persuaded them to think that they should sell that land and, and give the money. Although we do have a hint in what happened at the very end of Acts chapter 4. People were giving all sorts of things. And then there's this note about a man who was called Barnabas in verse 36 who had sold the land and who had given the prophets. And as what we can guess, people revered him and gave honor to him because of the gift that he made. And so maybe Ananias and Sapphira were sitting around the table and they're talking about, boy, Barnabas sure is getting a lot of attention. And Ananias says, hey, remember that land that I got from my uncle when he passed away? We're not doing anything with it anyway. Why don't, why don't we sell that land and, and we can give it? We can give money. But you know what? I've always I've been eyeing this new camel that I've been wanting to get. And if I just hold back a little, and Sapphira said, Ananias, that would be really weird if you went up there, you know what I mean, and only gave like part. Maybe, maybe we should say that we're going to give all of it. That means, I mean, I get the, the camel I wanted, the church gets the money, and we look really good. Is it really that bad of a deal? Ananias didn't hurt anyone? I mean, really, it's a victimless crime, if you would even call it a crime. What really bad thing did he do? He lied to the Spirit. Yeah, but I mean, really, is that that bad? I mean, we can go to 1 Corinthians, can't we? I mean, let's look through some of the things that are going on there. A man sleeps with his dad's wife, and he's bragging about it. And he's still alive and walking. Why didn't God strike him dead? Why Ananias? Why Sapphira? What's the big deal? Well... I think there's a few things we need to understand from this. One thing is this. Sin is sin. And in our minds, Ananias, he's not that bad. I mean, there's a lot of people who are worse. But Ananias, he's not that bad. I mean, it was just one little lie, wasn't it? I think... I think God was setting the stage to remind the people who would come and worship Him and those who would choose to follow Him, listen, this is about serving me and honoring my Son if you are going to try to take away the glory from my Son who died for you and put it on yourself, then we have a big problem. This is not what I created the church to do. So you could gather together and you can smile and you can look good and you can talk about how each of you sacrificed big and great things and somehow think that you deserve the glory for what my son did for you. You've missed out. I think God was saying this. And this is not an easy thing to say because it hurts me, and it steps on my own toes. But I think God is saying this, I don't want fakes following me. 
Don't come in and pretend that you're holy and that you're special and that you deserve some great honor when really all the glory goes to me and my son for what he did. I mean, that was really the issue. Ananias and Sapphira, they were trying to take glory from God and place it upon themselves. And God says, I'm going to have none of that. This is not what church is. Church is not about people coming together and patting themselves on the back for looking good or sounding good or doing good things. It's about the one who is good. He says, I don't want hypocrites. Hypocrite is a word we get from the Greek. Two words that are put together, hypocritoi. And it was a word that was used to describe actors of that day. Upo is under, kratoi means masks. It was people who lived under a mask. And God says, stop wearing the mask. Why would He lay down the law on this one? Why would, why would he be willing to take the lives of Ananias and Sapphira? What was the big deal? I think he understood that if a group of people come together and they're not genuine and they're not authentic and they don't care for other people and if all they want to do is bring glory to themselves then it wasn't really church at all. It was just a bunch of people coming to glorify themselves. To make themselves feel good for hanging around other good people. God says, sin is a big deal. You've got to flee from it. You've got to run from it. It's going to try to entangle you. It's going to try to hinder you. But you have got to keep running from sin because sin will draw you away from God and His presence. And the next thing you know, you get tired and worn out because you're switching masks all the time and you don't really know who you are. And you find yourself sitting around people who are wearing masks too. And you're not really a group of authentic people. You're just people who are trying to hide the fact that you're broken. Several years ago, Charles Swindoll shared a story about a man who had gone through a fast food line to get himself a bucket of chicken so he and his date could go out on a picnic. Well, what he did not realize, and neither did the manager who was finishing up counting the register, is he had placed all the money in a bucket that he was going to take home and count later on. Well, there was some confusion and somehow underneath the, the chicken legs that he had gotten for he and his date was about $800 of money that had been pulled out of the register. And so the chicken was put in the bucket on top of the money with nobody knowing. It gets passed out to the gentleman. He takes uh, his date. They drive out for a picnic. They open up the bucket and they have more than, than wings and thighs. They also have a load of money. And the man realizes that that's not his money and it belongs to somebody else and he shouldn't keep it. 
So they put the chicken back in the bucket. They get back in the car. They drive all the way back uh, to the, the chicken place. And they, they go to the manager and they say, we accidentally got a bucket that doesn't belong to us. There is money in here and it's not ours. And the manager was just amazed. And said, I cannot believe that you would do this. I knew this money was gone. I would never get it back. We had searched everywhere and realized that it had somehow gone out with someone, but there was no way anybody would bring it back. This is so amazing. I, I really want to do something. Can we take y'all's picture? I want to have like a, 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 a news camera come down here. I, I want to interview you and, and so everybody can see that there's still an honest person in this world. The man says, no, no, I'm, that's okay. I don't need to go. He goes, no, 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 really, please. I, I can call him down here. I have a friend. He can come down here. You're going to be on the front page of the newspaper. And the guy says, listen, you can't take a picture of me because the woman I'm with, she's not my wife. (laughs) You see, we can try to live this life that everything is great and all, all is perfect. And we can come in and we can smile and say, oh, we've got it all together. When even though we may come with a bucket of money and say, I have this, we still have some problems in our lives. And sin wants to creep in. This is not a message of hell, fire, and damnation. I'm not saying this because I get some joy out of saying that, that sin is wrong and we're caught up in sin. I'm saying this because I love each one of you. And because I have a, a strong belief that when I stand before God, He's going to say, did you preach the gospel as I gave it to you? And my answer needs to be yes. And when I say that, that means I need to warn you about sin and what it does to our lives. Why was God so set on eradicating that hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira? I think He knew. He knew that no one else would want to come into a church where people were lying to each other so they could get the glory. That's not what church is about. It's not about looking good. It's about coming in and singing and praising a God who is and encouraging one another that says, you know what, we've all got problems, but here's the thing. We have a God who forgives us and loves us and calls us out of that sin that we're living in. But we have got to be willing to combat the sin in our lives. We can't just go on saying, oh, it's not really that big of a deal. It is! It's a huge deal! All of us, every single one of us, deal with sin. There is not an elder in this room that doesn't struggle with sin. There is not a minister in this room that does not struggle with sin. There are some sweet, lovely old ladies here. They struggle with sin. There are some young kids in here. They struggle with sin. Everybody in here. If we're not, if you say, I don't struggle with sin, then what you're saying is, I don't need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And we're all broken. If we look around at each other, We're all having issues. I just learned about this this morning. And I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but we were talking about this issue in the elders meeting, and I love these men. They allow me to 
to just rant and rave and, and say, is this what needs to happen? Is this what the Spirit is, is leading us to say this morning? And we had a good discussion. And they reminded me, and I have to look in my notes. I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. Here we go. How about this? Ashley Madison. Does anybody know about Ashley Madison? I had no idea. So I guess that might be a good thing. Maybe not. For those of you who don't know who Ashley Madison is, I, I may be misunderstanding. I don't know if that's the founder. I think that might be the name of a website. Okay, now, some people name their dating website singles.com. Okay, apparently, Ashley Madison caters to the married people who aren't necessarily happily married. And they could go to a, a website and they could find other people to have an affair with. And I can't, I think the slogan is, life's too short not to have an affair. Or something like that. Okay? And so, so you would think there's probably a few hundred people who would say, you know what, I've, I'm going to try this out. And apparently a group of hackers told Ashley Madison, you know what, because their idea is, we can hide this. Nobody will know about it, right? Nobody's going to know about this. And the hacker says, I don't think so. I think people would know about this if we wanted them to know. And I think they may have even threatened them to say, hey, you probably should shut down your site. They didn't. They thought that they could hide it well enough. I'm not saying Ananias and Sapphira. I'm not. But the hacker said, we'll see. And apparently they did what they said they could do. They hacked in. And 30 million names were released of people who were trying to have an affair on their wife. And instead of going to some website, singles website, they chose Ashley Madison. I may have all my facts completely wrong, but I think we get the gist of this, don't we? You can't hide it. We're broken people. I mean, this is one of the times we really like pews that all face the same direction. Because we don't want to have to look at each other and admit that we're all broken people. And you don't have to cut your eyes over. You can imagine the person who's sitting beside you, but that person beside you or two people over or all the way across is broken. And they have sin in their life. And they need Jesus. That's what we're here for. Because we need Jesus. Because we have sin in our lives. The darling of heaven was crucified for our sins. And we have it. One of the attributes, one of the very noble attributes of that first century church is they were called to be authentic people. Just as we are today. To be real. To look at people in the eyes and say, I'm kind of struggling right now. To be able to go to somebody and not have them put up some kind of front that makes you, know, you feel less or make them feel less, but instead say, I'm taking off the mask. I'm here because the only way that I can survive in eternity and in this world is to have Jesus in my life. I'm not going to hide that anymore. I need Him. I think that's one of the things that God is calling us to.
is for us to be humble. For us to be genuine. To take off the masks. To not to put on some front about how much money we're giving or what we've sold or how many good deeds that we've done. And just come together. And look at each other in the eyes and say, you know what? I'm hurting. I'm really hurting. And I've got some sin in my life that I need to get rid of. Praise God that I'm around people who are just like me. And that we serve a God who forgives. Isn't that the kind of church you want to be a part of? I mean, I'm not happy for Ananias and Sapphira. Don't get me wrong. I'm not happy for them. But I'm glad God said, I don't want fakes around here. We don't need them. Which, by the way, there's several other parts of this story that just really intrigue me. I imagine the people who had the hardest time were the guys standing at the door. Don't you imagine? Peter did not kill them. God is the one who struck down Ananias. And then Peter instructed the men there to go bury Ananias. Which it wasn't unusual to do it in the same day, but the manner in which they did it without any type of ceremony meant that there there was not a great deal of, of honor given to Ananias. These guys, they literally have to take a body. They just watched a man die right in front of them. And they have to now pick up this man and they have to take him outside of the city and they have to dig a hole or, or find a way to put him. And, and they had to quickly wrap him up. It says that they wrapped him up. That would have been the, the, the burial cloth that they would have just put around him. They, they dig the hole. They, they put him in there. They cover up the hole Right, okay, this has been really hard. They finally get back in. They're like, this is the craziest day of our lives. And they're walking in the door. And all of a sudden, they hear Peter say, look, here's the men who buried your husband. They're about to carry you out too. And I'm thinking, really? Again? Twice in one day? I don't think those men ever forgot that second hole that they dug. And I bet they probably crossed their fingers as they walked back towards the church, hoping, I hope there's nobody else in that family. But God takes sin that serious. And we are too. Some of you have it. Some of you are struggling with it beyond belief. It is weighing you down. It's wearing you out. It's making you miserable and bitter and angry. And you walk around with this mask, these masks that you're switching on and off and on and off. And you walk into church and you're a, you're a blessed brother or sister and everything is great and you're shaking hands and people say, how are you? Well, I'm blessed. And deep down you know you're just broken. And I'm going to be the first one to say right here, I am completely broken. And I have sin in my life. And I have struggles. And I need Jesus so bad. And I want to walk along somebody who will say, you know what, I'm broken too. And I have sin in my life. And I just know that we have a God whose promise is faithful and His sacrifice was complete when He said, I will die for your sin. And you know what He did?
He died for each one of us. So now is the time we take off the mask and we quit pretending and we just say, Lord, work in me and renew me. Make me holy. That's what He's calling for each one of us. He longs for us to be holy so that we can show other people that it's not about us, but it's about a God who forgives. This morning, I'm going to offer an invitation, as we always do. And I don't know what that invitation really will look like in your life. I'm I'm saying that if you are struggling with sin so much that you need to come forward and you've got to confess some sins and you need some help, I want you to know we're going to be a people who will make every effort to take off the masks that we might be wearing and just say, you know what, we'll pray for you, we hurt with you. You have struggles in your life, we do too. Maybe you think this is something that I, I, I can do in a more private manner. Maybe it means that afterwards you find a minister or an elder or a deacon or somebody else and go talk to them. A godly man here, a godly woman here. Go talk to them and say, you know what, I'm really struggling. Let them pray for you. Let them pray over you. Let's get together and and pray for one another so that God will receive all the glory. We don't have any men at the back waiting to dig a grave. All we have is a Savior who would die for us. And if we can help you this morning, if we can take off that weight, I just beg you to come as we stand and sing.